Hey everyone, welcome to another Rahalastapa this week with Athena Cablano, um, fantastic new comedian. If you haven't heard of her, please give it this a shot. Uh, don't put in the comments that you haven't heard of her. It's redundant. You just look like a fool. Okay? Just pretend you've heard of it. You'll look like a cool kid. Uh, are you saying Rahalastapa? That's another sign. Uh, if you enjoy these podcasts, uh, please help us out uh, by uh, giving us some financial assistance and you get lots of extras by going to gofasterstripe.com slash badges, becoming a monthly badger, get a membership pack, a couple of badges, secret codes, extra emergency questions. Um, you also get access to all the backstage interviews, other little bits and exciting pieces we're putting up in there for you. Some of my stand-up shows will go up every few months, different ones. For you to watch, for no extra charge, you also get advance warning of the guests who are coming up in future episodes, so you can book ahead. Uh, it was all badgers who booked for Michael Palin, so uh, on March the 9th at the Leicester Square Theatre. We are doing lots more, why not book for those gigs, which com slash gigs. Right, now it is time to listen to Rahalastapa, or watch it if you are watching it. So I am going to go. Enjoy the podcast. Here it comes. Rahalastabat. Rahalastabat. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who's just been imagining throwing his children down some stairs. It's Richard Herring. <laughs> You're much better than last week's audience. They're pricks. They're pricks. So, welcome to Richard Herring's lovingly smeared toothpastey penis. Don't don't usually let the P stand for anything other than podcast, but I had to today. Um, you've got to have come up with new ideas. It's just the ways of smearing uh, toothpaste on genitals. That's all the podcast will be from now on. Didn't pre-warn the guests, but. Um, I was hanging out with the uh, Thundercats uh, the other day. <laughs> Just my luck, I was stuck between Linkso and Snarf. I hate Snarf. Uh, and uh, they call it Rahalastaba. <laughs> uh, so um, let's, uh, let's have a little look who's down here in the, in the audience. Uh, that's a new gentleman I don't recognise. What's your name, sir? Patrick. Patrick, have you been here before? I haven't. No, no what brought you here the first time? Oh dear, you're that guy. I moved to get away from you. <laughs> you do, okay. Uh, and what do you do for a living, Patrick? I work with adults with learning disabilities. Do you? Oh, that's no difficult for me to take the piss out of. Thanks a lot. Uh, he works, works with adults with learning disabilities. It's pretty good. Thank you for coming. Uh, there's a bald gentleman here. What's your, what's your name, sir? Peter. Peter, how are you doing? Have I talked to you before, Peter? Yeah, I recognise that. I recognise that, Peter. Remind me what you do for a living. It's IT, isn't it, Peter? Yeah, it's a bank. Is you work in a bank? Yeah. How's that going? Any good money come in recently? Right. Yeah. When those fifty p's come in that have got like Kew Gardens on the back and stuff, do you put those in your the ones that are worth like hundred quid? Do you take those out and keep those? Yeah. If you saw one, you'd do it. You take it when you. Yeah. Keep your eyes out. Keep your eyes open for that. That's what I'd do if I worked in a bank. So. Uh, <laughs> Nice to see you again. We filled a bit of time, and that's that's all we were here. To, that's all. That, that was, that's all contractually we had to do. But thank you. Thanks for coming along, Patrick. Nice to see you. So uh, my guest this week is probably best known for her appearance on Girl on Girl, which I'm guessing is not going to be what I'm hoping it is. But it might be. 
Will you please welcome Athena Capleno, ladies and gentlemen. Sit down. Pull up a microphone. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Good. What was what was girl on girl? Remind me what. What do you want it to be? I want it to be a serious feminist talk between two. Uh, two ladies. Well, have I got a juicy story for you? Uh, okay. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Yeah, oh, it was. Um, it was an interview I did with a YouTuber. Right. Oh, they are. Yeah, I've yeah. heard of these kids. Yeah. Um, and it was great. And um, I'm always, I'm old-ish. I'm 38. I'll be 38 right. next month. And this, I met this young woman called Hannah Witten. She's like this incredibly intelligent millennial, early mm. 20s, and she was great. And she was willing to school me, and also willing to listen to me speak and be educated, and it was wonderful. And I recommend finding Hannah Witten um, if you want to... Is that her name? Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> you, are, you are getting old. You're getting old, that's what I'm like. I'm I getting forget. old, yeah. Um, yeah. I think a lot of men yeah, will be finding that by accident. That's, they the probably, that's why it's got so many hits, <laughs> to be honest. It's not feminist discussion. It's girl and girl. Oh, no, somebody's talking about working whilst having children. Yeah. Oh, not quite the same thing. Well, it's probably good to get those guys... And girls who want to see that. There's not only guys who want to see that. Not only 52-year-old men who want to see that. There's other it's people want to see that. Some girls want girls on girls. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty... If you're old, then I'm very old. Really? 38 is nice. A good age. Is it a good age? Yeah. Yeah. We were talking That's about this like, backstage about our kids. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's a good age. I mean, I say... I think my daughter's a good age. She's one, because you can hang her upside down. Like, when you've caught a marlin. You know? You can just sort of do that, and yeah. she finds it hilarious. I use both legs. It's got the mic in... The other hand. <laughs> I don't just dangle around that, but she loves it. She's like, oh, I'm upside down. And yeah. I'm 38 and I wouldn't enjoy that. So maybe I'm not such a great okay. age. I would enjoy it. I, the, most of the things that my kids get to do, I really wish I could do. Really? Yeah, like, like be wheeled around in a pram. <laughs> like just being one of a, a bouncy thing. Yeah, that's Have a true. nappy. I'd just like to have a nappy, which might come anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's, what, yeah. that's what I'm seeing. So yeah. this is going to sound terrible, but I'm looking at my daughter yeah. and I'm looking at maybe older people in my life and I'm thinking, lots of similarities. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> in there, and, and like, you know, kids walk around with like a little walker, right? That's how yeah. they learn. And when you get older, you've got a Zimmer frame, yeah. you know, and obviously you've got incontinence, as it's referred to. Um, so it's just, life's a circle. We've got all that to look forward to, which is great, because you don't remember it. I would love to remember being a baby, but you can't, so you yeah. just get to be a baby again. And then you don't remember when you're old, because you oh. forget everything. So There's someone is trying to stop us remembering the there good is. times. <laughs> <laughs> that we have from the beginning and the end. They just, we um, just remember the paying taxes part. Yeah. How annoying. Yeah. When they get older, they start doing... My daughter can do clank crap. She did this thing where she went up... My wife held her upside down. She went right against, like, a plank. And then I can't even describe what she did. It was incredible. I just... I'm, it's unbelievable. She's grown, she's grown into this. There's a case file being opened right now for social services. A plank. Well, she was. Like, I thought she would spit. She used to kind of you put her upside down and then she put her hands down and spin round. Right. But she went. She went, went like flat upside down. So. Uh, I can't even describe it. It was, it was, it was amazing. And bouncy. She hates me, my daughter. Uh, she, <laughs> she did a song. She made. She borrowed my phone the other day. I could put this on. Uh, no, I won't do because it's my daughter. But uh, she borrowed my phone. Said, "Can I make a video?" And then she made a video. I love mummy. I love mummy. I love mummy. I hate Richard. I hate Richard. <laughs> Which is like doubly bad. Not even to call me daddy. But the thing, you know. You're <laughs> So your daughter basically trolled you. She did. And then she went, and I love Rory, which is the little boy who just came around. I love Matthew. I love everyone at my school. I hate Richard. So the, 
as, as a comedian, you yeah. must understand that escalation is... Mm. I know, which is... It's mostly a joke, yeah. but then she does mean it as well. So I don't, I don't know what I've done. I'm really nice to her. She can see the weakness in me. It's what women have done to me my whole life. Really? She can see... <laughs> I don't know I don't know what to say other yeah. than the fact that when she realizes like basically I un- want it's gonna say something awful like just yeah, say it. when she's older yeah she'll love your credit cards <laughs> so just give her your wallet and apparently kids yeah. just love that so just wait until she's old enough to want Air Force Ones and stuff uh, okay and They're buy those she's already there's no teenage there's no childhood she's a teenager already. oh is that how it is yeah. oh two years old yeah well she's four, the baby's two she's four so oh she's, she's four excuse well, she's me she's going on okay. five yeah Anyway, let's not just talk about our kids. Um, people love that. I tell you, some people, the kids, the people who don't have kids at home love that. <laughs> and every time they say, don't talk about your kids, I think, I'll just talk about my kids a bit longer just to annoy just to annoy you. So there isn't that much about you online. I've been watching your videos, very funny there's, stuff. There's You've been doing bit. stand-up for a few yeah, years. Yeah, so long? what I say is I've been doing it since for about six or seven years. Yeah. So I started in 2012 and I started properly in 2013, but I've only been good for about four of those years. Okay. There's, there were some dark years, um, <laughs> which unfortunately you can find online if, you're, if okay. you're that way, if you are really into, it's in the dark web maybe, I don't <laughs> okay. know. Um, but yeah, I've only been good since about 2015, 16 okay. You know, in another 10 years, I mean, I constantly look back at everything I've done and go, oh, I was terrible. And then I go, oh, now I'm funny. And then 10 years past, I go, no, I wasn't funny. It, oh, now I'm, fu- now it's a I'm constant, funny. It's a constant state of like, Loving and self-loathing, that circle, yeah. isn't it? It doesn't go away. But I, I genuinely was shit when I started. <laughs> but everyone is. Lying. So what were you yeah. doing before? Because I haven't managed to find out what you were doing before you became a comedian. Before I became a comedian, I did all kinds of things. I was broadly in what you would call uh, in project man- management. Okay. So I used to work in sustainability, so I know a lot about waste and rubbish and recycling. Okay. Just so you know, I was into climate change before it was sexy. Like, and uh, there might be a few, there's a few, about 10, 15 years ago, do you remember when Al Gore made um, An Inconvenient Truth? I do. Right, so we were talking about all of this stuff yeah. back then. So I was in that industry getting people to, like, recycle and use green energy and use reusable nappies and throw away less stuff back then. But no one listened. I, not, possibly because I'm, I'm not white and 16 years old. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Uh, possibly might have something to do with it. But I was in that industry for a little while and then I went into... Tra- I was like, do you really want to know? This is yeah, very I LinkedIn. You know, I, I, I like to know what... <laughs> I would like, but also, because you've come to comedy, like a, a lot of people come to comedy like at 20 now. Yeah, I started a bit so late. you started yeah. a bit later, which I think is interesting and I, and I prefer it because I started straight away as well, so I'm, I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> but... I think it's good for comedians to have had a life before they become I'd have been a terrible comedian if I started when I was 21. <laughs> I was, had a terrible lifestyle. I was drinking a lot. And I was cripplingly shy. Right. Very low self-esteem. So I'd have been one of those awful comedians, like, asking the audience to fill in the holes in their life that should be filled in by parenting yeah. and good relationships. It sounds very much <laughs> like what I, w- I was like at 21, <laughs> to be fair. And I just gave it a go. But, yeah, so. but... I th- and also, I think the comedy climate was different back then in the recent era when you started. <laughs> then to, to, but I think there was a, slight, a slightly smaller scene. Yeah, um, so you could yeah. find your feet and you can a bit, whereas now if you start and you're not very good, you get lost very quickly because yeah. it's, it's very tidal. Lots of comedians that can, you can, can swallow you up. But yeah. anyway, I started quite late. So project manager, sustainability, worked in transport. I did a, uh, I had a lovely job. My best job ever, I worked for the Olympics. Wow, okay. Because I used to work in planning, had a lot of jobs. Um, and so uh, the, do you really want to know about this? Yeah, I do. I want, really I want to know about the Olympics. Frank Cottrell Boyce is coming on who wrote the 
opening ceremony yeah. of the 2012 Olympic season, one of my guests in Liverpool. And so. uh, I got to watch that and the practice. I right. got to watch loads of it. I met Denise Lewis on my first day. I was literally like in a, a car with her and she was like my all-time idol. And yeah. I was just sweating, going, ah! I met Ed Moses, if anyone likes athletics. Ed Moses is like a big hero. I'm, I love athletics. Yeah. Um, so on my first day, I was like, this is going to change my life. Um, and it didn't because it finished. And then we got <laughs> made redundant. And that was... <laughs> <laughs> and and the then, end of it. and then yeah. Britain changed into something yeah. that wasn't like exactly. the exactly. It was just like a full storm. And what was what the sad thing is in those days I was still a little bit shy and I didn't have a camera phone. So all these memories I have no I have no pictures. I met Mark. I met Mark Foster and he bent over and I could see his butt crack. I had, okay. no, I had no camera phone. Imagine so, if you got a photo of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I had no experiences there. And then what did I do after that? Uh, worked in civil engineering after that. Um, and I won't lie, I'll be honest, I still do part-time consultancy. Okay. Yeah, because comedy is not paying my bills, <laughs> Richard. It's very annoying, but I think that's the way of the world at the moment. You've got to have side hustles. It's so. well, you're, doing, you're doing well. You've won, yeah. some, you've won some competitions. I have almost won some competitions, okay, got but I've got, I've got far enough. But that was, yeah. that was actually, so I did the BBC New Comedy Awards final, yeah. and that was where I got my act together and was like, Fina, you do have a talent here. Stop being an idiot and start believing in yourself and start carrying yourself like someone you can write a joke and something to say so it was a wonderful a wonderful experience for me and I wish I'd enjoyed it more actually yeah I well, it's, enjoy it's it. difficult to enjoy these things what was the impetus that made you try comedy out though <laughs> I wanted to make money well, that's not, that's not a sensible... You know, it's not a sensible You had a proper thing. job, so, you could have made like, money. And that's very true. So my problem was, when I started, I wasn't au fait enough with the live scene. I was a fan of American stand-up, so my favourite comedian was one of the Sykes. I loved Bernie Mac. I loved Whoopi Goldberg. In the UK, I loved um, um, uh, Gina Yashaway. So yeah. a lot of black comics. Um, and I watched a lot of comedy on TV. Um, but I didn't understand about the open mic circuit. And I just thought, oh do comedy, I'll be really funny, and then I'll play the Hackney Empire. Because I didn't know there was something beneath the Hackney Empire, do you know what I mean? Okay, I didn't yeah. know there were pubs you could comedy in. Um, but what happened was, um, I got enough good feedback from those pub gigs to say, okay, you know, this isn't earning you money now, but in 30 years' time it might earn you money. <laughs> um, so that, you, know, you get a little bit of encouragement. And then I started doing this thing where I thought, okay, every year I'll set myself a couple of goals. If I meet them, I'll keep going. Yeah. And if I don't meet them, um, you know, knock it on the head and go back to your day rate. Um, and every year I have subsequently met the then modest goals, stuff yeah. like competition final, perform tour support, like really modest things that you do. Beyond Rehalistapur. <laughs> you, exactly, and to be honest, that's, that's it, I'm with the rest of the year. That's I'm taking it, off. just give up. That's give it, up. yeah. I'd just retire now on it, a high. I, sh I should retire. I mean, I, I should retire. I, should. <laughs> I would if it was me. And I'll, can I take, can I inherit this podcast? <laughs> Can you what? Can I inherit it? And then yeah, we can yeah, change yeah, it to I was going to give it to Russell Howe because he's got the same initials. No, so it's, an e it's an easy transition. He's doing quite well still. Oh, look, white guy inherited. To, yeah. <laughs> what, what a surprise. Yeah, nepotism. Still going strong. Don't, don't worry about that. <laughs> and uh, I was going to ask you, do you, with your baby, do you use sustainable nappies now that you're... Do you know something? I don't. And no, I I, it is a regret of mine that I don't because I know loads about them and how they work and Not they're fantastic, especially if you breastfeed because you, yeah. if you breastfeed, you know they only poo like once a week. Right. So you, they, no, it's true. Like You guys know this, right? If, if you breastfeed a baby when they're really young, they literally poo every few days so you don't need disposable nappies you just use it like a flannel catch yeah. the water um, but um, everyone's laughing like I'm making this up it's like, <laughs> like babies pee what's up but um, yeah anyway I, did, I don't and it's a regret of no. mine 
But not so go. much of regret that you're doing the other, the other system. <laughs> the, 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 it's too hard, isn't it? That's the thing. I think like I I <laughs> I feel like oh god, it's so such a waste. All these nappies. But it's too. I can't. Do you know what's hard? I'm not just start boiling being, nappies. Just being asked to buy them in the first place is hard. Like I just couldn't be bothered. And then you, it's so easy to get a pack of nappies in the supermarket. It is. Um, and that is why the planet Earth is doomed. Do, 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 I'll tell you what needs to happen. Rihanna needs to come up with a brand of reusable nappies, and then you know because when they when people like Rihanna do stuff, we all we all follow. Or Greta yeah. Thunberg needs to have a teenage pregnancy. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then start using reusable nappies. And everyone's yes. like, oh my God, man, yeah. Should we make teenage pregnancy cool? Like, go on, go get pregnant like Greta, you lazy cow. Um, but any, anyway, like, they are great. I regret not using them, yeah. um, but I'm not using them. Okay, I'm but everyone else should use them, not, everyone, not you and do me, Do as I say, yeah. not as I do. I'm not going to do it either, but I, um, I've got an electric car, so... Oh, yeah, batteries, and, yeah, yeah, the Congo. Let's talk yeah. about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I've got a diesel car as well. I've got two cars. Uh, so. <laughs> uh, and he's got a landfill site, everybody. Throw nappies away because he makes money. Hundred pounds a ton waste. Yeah. Did you know that? Is it? Yeah, so we used to work in sustainability. You did. Yeah. yeah. And that was back in like 2005, 2006. So it's probably gone up now. Yeah. Because space is at premium. Well, you know, maybe we can. That's how we can work post Brexit. Just start selling off land <laughs> for dumping stuff in. Yeah, it's all. Well, I was going to say it's all Britain's going to be good for, but yeah. actually, it's not a joke. It might <laughs> might be the only thing we have to offer. Ooh. Bit grass. Terrible a thing. Hole. Right, yeah. I'm going to ask you some emergency questions. Excellent. Uh, I'm going to ask you, first of all, Davy Johns, emergency question. Who is the most famous person you've been in a lift with that you hadn't got into the lift with? That I haven't got into the lift with? you didn't get in with. You got in the lift and there they were. I was in a lift with Billy Connolly. Yeah, David Johnson was in a book, lift with Noel Edmonds. He's very small. And uh, Woody Allen as well. He's been in a book. All right, before. so I've got an, an actual story and an almost story. Okay. So I'll give you both. So the actual story is Gary Lineker okay. at the BBC because he works there. Yeah. I was faffing. That's a good place to go in the lift. I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't like following him. Like, no. And he wasn't, no one said you were, but yeah. they said that. I'm suspicious. And, he, and so that was cool because yeah. I'm, a, I'm actually a fan of his tweeting. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, boring footballer, really. <laughs> Um, <laughs> come on, guys. I mean, he, he was functional. Um, he scored loads of goals. He yeah, was, functional. He was a striker. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's like Van Nistelrooy. That, that is Great. the function, though. Yeah, if you support the team he plays for, yeah. you'll love him. But if you don't, you're not, I want to go out to be Gary Lineker. No one wants to think that. Come on. Um, sorry, Gary. You might want to cut this out afterwards. No, I, <laughs> I feel like him. I'm offending everybody. Um, who am I think? Um, Drogba, on the other hand. You know, that's oh, yeah. flair. Do you know what I mean? Goals and flair, you see what I'm saying? Okay. Anyway, um, so by, I didn't say this to him in the lift, by the way. <laughs> you want to watch some of Drogba's goals. Do you know what I mean? Speed and flair. What did you have, goal hanger? Um, anyway. <laughs> anyway, the almost yeah. story, right? When I was working for the Olympics, I was based in Canary Wharf. Now, yeah. this is, starts as a sad story. The company above us, or below us, I forget, um, lost a lot of people in 9-11. They had, a bit, they, had a, they had an office in the Twin Towers. However, as a consequence, every year they do a charity event. And in the charity event, celebrities would, would man their phones and sell stocks and trades. One of the celebrities one year was Prince Harry. Wow. Yeah, and I have it on good authority. In fact, I know for a fact he was in the building below me at the same time as me because it was on the news. So yeah. I was watching the news and I'm like, this is happening now. Beneath <laughs> us. Oh my God, this is the greatest job ever. It's going to change my life. Um, and it didn't, obviously. Um, but he would have got in a lift yeah. to get to that. Could have been you. Floor. And 
It might could've have been, been the lift I used. Yeah. yeah. And it could have been me. Could have been you. It could have been me. Could you imagine? Because <laughs> lo- they lost their shit and the, and the mum had dreadlocks. <laughs> With me? Oh, no. I, that would not, I don't think that would have flown at all. No, they wouldn't have handled that. They can barely handle the mother. Oh, that would have been good. <laughs> something I was going to say. It's gone. I'm, uh, you know, don't have, don't have kids is my advice because I had something great to say to you then. And it's the wedding really would have been gone. great, though. Yeah. Me and Harry, it w- and you know, like they had a very black American wedding. Yeah. Mine would have been like a black British wedding. Benjamin Jeff and I are saying, <laughs> just rejecting the OBE again. <laughs> it would have been great. All right, I'll give you another emergency question. Um, and this is. Uh, uh, oh, that one nearly came up. On the, uh, I was trying to do this backstage with you. Which non potato crisp is the best? Which non-potato? Oh, yeah. plantain, plantain chips. Oh, okay. Yeah, did we all? I don't know if we caught the the drama plantain tri- uh, chips. Anyone watches Twitter and, and arguments online? Basically, plantain chips are enjoyed in equatorial countries all over yeah. the world, right? Plantain is a big banana. We fry it. You make chips out of it. About three weeks ago, a company owned by two white people invented plantain chips. Right. Again, <laughs> s- submitted them to the vegan awards, there's a vegan awards for innovation, and they won. Okay. Uh, and I had time that day, right? So I just was tweeting like, Matt, like, this, is, this is ludicrous, okay? Because um, I personally have a problem with vegan food that is like fruit and vegetables. <laughs> it's a vegetable, you can't, don't tell me, oh, I'm eating a vegan apple, really? <laughs> do, you normally, do you normally deep fry your apples in lard? <laughs> do you? Um, and second of all, like you can go, there's a wider issue here, which is serious. Like, you can go to any corner shop in any part of London or any city in the UK and you can buy a packet of plantain chips for a pound and you can give money to a local grocer and you can give money to what will probably be a black-owned company because a lot of countries that make plantain chips are black-owned. But instead, if you want to give three pounds to a company owned by two white people, you want a gap here to Ecuador, which is what they did. <laughs> right. And they were like, this, this is delicious! Mm, how come you've never had it? Because you've never gone to a black-owned shop in your area to see what we eat, yeah. you know? And then, and then, so the audacity of it, um, I've even forgotten the question. It doesn't I'm matter, it's, so good, it's your favourite non yeah, yeah, But that's the only time chips, like, yeah, a, a white chips. person's gone to a black country and taken their stuff. Revolutionary. It's a one-off. It's a one-off. <laughs> In fact, it, it worked out so well for them, you want to you wanna try it. I'm um, going to go across, yeah. see what else is going on. <laughs> <laughs> mm, what have I started? Um, <laughs> So your heritage, you're from London. I'm from London, Your yeah. heritage is Ghanaian and Indo-Caribbean. That's so correct, is that in- yeah, yeah. Indian and Caribbean. Um, that, so my mum is of Indian heritage, so yeah. the Caribbean is like half Indian. Okay. Yeah. Uh, most countries, Guyana, Trinidad, a bit of Jamaica, uh, huge Indian population, so that's the, where my mum comes from. Okay. Because um, so, so Africans were slaves and the Indians were indentured labourers. Yeah. So basically slaves, but given like... A pat on the back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well done. Uh, but yeah, different but similar. Yeah. Um, and uh, when did they come to? They, they, would, they, would they come to England together or? Were my they, parents. Yeah. Were no, they, they, but they met in Newcastle. Did they? So yeah. So they came. Um, so my dad was studying in Ghana okay. in the Newcastle Poly, which is now Northumberland University, I okay. think. And my mum came over with her family because her family was studying. So one. One of uh, her uncles became a doctor, gynecologist, not a pharmacist. Um, but Indian, in, that, in those days, Guyanese Indian families, and by extension, a lot of Indian families, were very patriarchal. So the men became like businessmen and doctors, and the women were expected to be nurses and carers and stuff. And so my mum met my dad, um, and she married my dad. 
um, against my family's wishes, because there's quite a lot of racism in Guyanese <laughs> society, but we know about that, so I won't go into it and describe racism. Um, and uh, that's how they met. And then my mum and my dad subsequently went to live in Ghana for a few years, okay. and they had my brother, then they came back to the UK, and a few years after that, I was born with another baby, because I'm a twin. Are you? Yes. Oh, okay. Didn't... Do you want to hear a really cool thing? Yeah. So You're psychic. Oh, Do you know something? I'm going to say something cooler than that. Okay. Yeah. So I had a baby last year, yeah. right? And my brother's girlfriend had his baby on the same day. Oh, wow. So we've got twin cousins. That Isn't that is... fucking outrageous? Because <laughs> when you think about like? it, it's, yeah. when you work backwards, yeah. it can make you feel a bit sick. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like, when you said, are you psychic, yeah. actually? Yeah. yeah. Um, so... Um, <laughs> I don't like, uh, well, if he's doing it, uh, I'm gonna. Do you know what I mean? You know, like, yeah, like when brothers don't insist, siblings yeah. like, oh, I want. How come he gets that? Well, there we go. <laughs> so how come he gets to do that? I want to do it. So, but that's lovely. So we've got two cousins, and I gave my daughter. It's so cute. You know, she, he has a daughter who has my name as her middle name. Okay. Um, I don't often cry, but that made me cry. And my daughter has a middle name, which is Atawo, which is in my Ghanaian nation, it means um, female twin. Okay. Uh, so she has a female twin. Even though oh, it's her cousin. That's yeah. amazing. Um, and you went back to Ghana? Several times. I'm going back yeah. in January too, but I've did, been back, yeah. Yeah. Did, it, did, did you have a kind of... I read something about you going back and it not being... You, you were very well to, researched. I've tried yeah. my best. Talk it's hard to find something about you. <laughs> You're very sick. I didn't know you were a twin, so that's blown my mind. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you went, <laughs> you went back to try and find your roots the so, first time, I guess. The first time I went, I was 18, and I went over with my dad, and it was a really interesting experience because um, my dad went back and forth. So I grew up really with my mum, and I'd always felt Ghanaian, but I'd never, I didn't speak the language. But something extraordinary happened. Um, I got served food whilst I was there, and I was like, oh, I eat this food at home. It hadn't occurred to me that my food was Ghanaian because my mum cooked it all the time. Okay. And I was like, oh, I eat this too. I eat this too. Oh, and it, then I was like, wow, this is, this is crazy. Um, first of all, how integrated my mum was because she lived there for so long. But secondly, how if no, no one says something to you, it doesn't occur to you. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't a question of finding myself. I guess it was a question of you, you want to go back to where you come from and you know it's um, such an integral part of your identity. Because when you're black or non-white in this country, you just know it the whole time. Yeah. You know it because people are getting a water plantain chips when you eat them, like, <laughs> all the time. Um, and so it was... But lots of strange things happened on that trip. I went with, um, I went with, like, natural Afro hair. And when I got there, one of the first things that my dad did was straighten my hair. Isn't that hilarious? I went back to Ghana. <laughs> I straightened... And then he... This was back in 1999, and he said, oh, you've come a little girl and you leave a woman, right? But look, look how things change. About 12 years later, I went back to Ghana with Nafo, and he was, oh, look at my daughter. With her natural hair, she's free from my European shackles. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, it's amazing how things change. Um, and it showed you something about colonialism, what it does to the, the legacy, yeah. you know, because Ghana was the first country to become independent, and I'm there in a salon with my hair getting straightened, you yeah. know? So it just goes to show it will take centuries to really unlearn the things that we learned from, from that. But it was great, and Ghana's a beautiful country. I always say, if you want to go to Africa, which is a huge continent, and we should stop talking about it pejoratively, if you do want to go to Africa, Ghana's a great place to start, English-speaking, yeah. small population, uh, only about 25 million people, so it's not like, you know, it's not so big, it's, it's hard to grasp. Uh, beautiful scenery, uh, lots of history, lovely coastline, um, lots to do. Elephants oh. in the north. Okay. 
I no, was going to go to the south. Oh, duh. The south just has. What animals are in the south? Uh, chickens. Okay, that's goats. Good. African chickens, though. Tasty chickens. I don't, eat, I don't eat meat anymore, but one of the most delicious things I'll always remember was the first time I ate chicken in Ghana and I crunched the bone and the bone was hard. And because I'd only ever eaten British supermarket chickens for 2 99 I'd never had a chicken that had been raised in someone's garden and, and then slaughtered and eaten. And, and it's just. Our food culture is so corrupted by capitalism. We just eat cheap food yeah. that's manufactured to satiate us and not and not um, uh, not uh, not to like give us health and nutrition. Sure. To eat this, it was like this. This bone. Right. I'm telling you, it was a uh, it was delicious. And I was like, mm. <laughs> um, amazing. Yeah. So the food's great, and there's elephants, and it's you should go. Yeah. Yeah. Quite sunny. Very sunny. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I'm yeah, going. Yeah. yeah that's good. <laughs> That's very good. So let's talk about your show. You've done a couple of Edinburgh shows. I have done a couple of Edinburgh yeah, shows. What, yeah. So what you did? One called KMT. Yeah. Kiss my teeth. Kiss my teeth. Yeah. Yeah. I can't do that. Can you not? Everyone can do it. Everyone. No, I'm not allowed. You're not allowed. It's not appropriation. You yeah, can do it. Okay. I, in fact, I welcome people to do it in okay. my show. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great gesture. So. <laughs> it's t- <laughs> Doesn't sound so uh, disproving when I do it. I was going to say, it sounds quite flirtatious when you do it. It sounds far too flirtatious. Um, It was "Mm." Um, (laughs) It's supposed to be like, oh, God. But, you know, we... This is... To deviate a little bit, there was a a lot of um, noise being made a few years ago about catcalling, and that's correct noise. Women shouldn't be shouted at in the street. However, in different cultures oral um, communication to strangers is, is how you communicate. So, for example, kissing your teeth is a very normal thing to do in African and Caribbean things. So you might walk down the street and hear this. But culturally, that's not that offensive. It's, you're literally expressing, I'm annoyed, I'm yeah. upset. And that's true for lots of reasons. Like, you might, in Ghana, um, you might hear a lot of kissing. It's just, it's normal. It's yeah. like, it's not harassment. And I think we forget in Europe that we're very reserved people. And we're like... <laughs> You know, like this, we like to be a little bit, not make noises and stuff. Um, so kiss my teeth was my way of saying, this is how I feel about the world. And it can mostly be summed up by a noise that is heard in my household all the time. <laughs> I think at the time, when the, I did that show a year after the referendum, after the referendum when okay. Theresa May called the election. And I was like, oh, kiss my fucking teeth, Jesus. I can't deal with it. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And then... Uh, and then the other show is, uh, is um, about leadership. Yes, it was about, it was called Follow the Leader. Follow the Leader. And it was about how, as a younger person, believe it or not, I always wanted to get into politics. Yeah. And I always want, I thought, wouldn't it be great if I could make a positive change to my community in this country and maybe even uh, further afield by just understanding how structures work and working within them? And then what happened was I did a job where I got done for gross misconduct. Um, this was before I became a stand-up. And basically... I always had this excess energy, and I was putting that energy, rather than going onto stage and speaking into microphones, I was saying what I should have been saying on stage in emails. Okay. <laughs> um, and quite a lot of these emails, and they were, they, were, they were good, this company. I won't name it, but it was a, <laughs> it was a government department, and they, they noticed I was sending these emails, and they, kept, they watched these emails for 18 months. <laughs> Could you imagine how many emails? It was like during the, the kind of, they do this like trial thing, the, the pile of it, it was, there were so many emails, the printer ran out of paper. <laughs> when that, and, and the hearing lasted like all day and it was just 
Oh, it was, it was awful. So I thought I can't really become a politician now because all that stuff exists what, somewhere. Do you, what was what was on what was in the emails? Oh, I'll tell you. I mean, oh, awful stuff. So I was very sexually explicit when discussing things of that nature with my girlfriends. Okay. So um, things happened in cars. Um, that, and those experiences were documented. Okay. Shall we say? Um, <laughs> Uh, what else happened? I, had a, I actually did a bit of stand-up on it because it was once I'd recovered from it all. Um, what else did I do? Was it just because you were using your work email? For it was just because I was things. using my work email, yeah. And the funny thing was... That, yes, yeah. yeah. Because you're allowed to do, you're allowed to write about those things. You're in your allowed emails, to. You can in your text messages, in your Gmail, in your Hotmail, yeah. even in your Yahoo guys. You can use even in your Lycos mail. You yeah. can use all of your emails. It's interesting they waited yeah. 18 months. Is all I'm saying is that this stuff's quite good. Let's just yeah. let's see how it's, they, see how it plays out. They, then we'll print it all up. They were. I mean, that was the thing that bothered me the most. If you've seen, I'm doing it. It's, it's, show me, sack me or whatever. Yeah. But the funny thing was, um, I didn't get sacked <laughs> because all of, um, every, they, they, they pulled up basically a whole load of emails. I had to go through every line that was where the word, words were inappropriate. And just for the record, you know there were different equality groups like race, disability, sexuality. I had offensive words for all of them. Literally, <laughs> they, they done me on all of, and when I say, uh, this is, this is going to sound awful, <laughs> but I'll give you an example. So um, I had a friend who was gay and I referred to her as Muff Muncher, affectionately. Okay. Yeah. okay, affectionately. And obviously, if you have a friend and you and you can talk to them like that that's fine but in the co in the black and white print in Arial 12 yeah. it doesn't it's, it's not very affectionate you no. know so, and they were like why did you say it? it's like she's a lesbian she's love <laughs> that's what I had to say it was, it was a, a very long day Richard um, <laughs> um, and I called I'll tell, you, I'll tell you one story I called and I, this is one thing I, saw, I do regret I don't use this language anymore but I called um a famous black celebrity of coconut, and if you don't know what it is, yeah. brown on the outside, white on the inside. Basically, what he'd done was he went to Kenya for, on a comic relief trip, and he burst into tears, and he was like, this is awful, and I feel it more because I'm from Ghana, and my life could have been like this. And I was like, well, not really, because you're from Ghana, innit? And Ghana's all right. And you're in a part of Kenya that's not nice, but there's Kenya, a bit of Kenya that's really nice, you know? And I had a great joke about um, African countries being like where the spoons is, like, because sometimes you go into a shit one, but there are some nice ones. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you don't write off. You just go, oh, this is a shit weather spoons, but you'll still go to the, to the other weather spoons. That's really nice, which is a great joke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I had to sit there and, and you know, why? Call him I'm like, well, he should be representing when he comes. If I can't rely on him to talk about Africa in a possible, in a proper way, well, who can I rely on? And all this stuff. So, but, you know, so language like that. So luckily I could justify everything, but there was a lot of justifying. And, <laughs> um, and quite right. And I... Honestly, you know for a fact that if I was white, I'd have been sacked. But then if I was white, I would have, would have had no excuse to use a lot of that language anyway. Sure. Um, it, contextually. Um, and I, I genuinely think that they kept me because I could use pivot tables and no one else... <laughs> <laughs> at the time, like, they, I knew how to use access and yeah. pivot tables and stuff. And, um, you know, they were like, you know, on the one hand, it's outrageous use and flagrant <laughs> disregarding of our email policy. But... You're very good with you know with, with the analysing survey results and whatever <laughs> I was doing. But yeah, that that meant I couldn't get into politics, or I, I became fearful because I was like, this is in my legacy, and you you know, and this is the sh and I contemplated that in my show, like 
the people who... I should be in politics. I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I should be. I'm thoughtful. I care about people. I'm interested in pr uh, progressiveness. I'm not interested in left or right. I'm interested in solutions. But I've, I've opted out of it because of my past. And yet people like Boris Johnson and, you know, lots of other individuals... And you may support him, and that's fine. That's your democratic right. They don't. But, oh, you don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Great. Let's get into it. But this, this is... This is but this is one of the real shames about, about politics. We're judged, we don't judge people, we should be judging people based on what they do and what they believe in and who they help. But we have a weird way of judging, pe judging some people on based on their character. Now, if we honestly judged people based on character, half these politicians would not have the jobs that they have. You know, because they, they are very clear about the kind of character that they do have, but we don't. We judge people based on whether or not they're gonna tax us less, for example, whether or not they, they have a go at immigrants. Um, and things like that. So the show was basically about me being an idiot, but saying, but look at all these sensible things I've got to say. So can you, recon can you reconcile the fact I got pregnant by accident with the fact that I can talk to you about Jeremy Corbyn in an honest way? Um, and just to show that you don't have to be a very sensible person in your personal life yeah. to be sensible in your political life. But I life. think they, do you not think you would be able, you'd be forgiven that. I mean, if Boris Johnson's got away with you what he's got away... You didn't read his emails, you know? If it's been investigated, I think in a way, like when people have a secret and it hasn't been investigated and mm. it comes up ten years later, then it's a big problem. But if it's been investigated and it's been passed, you know, and it's, it's been decided on, I don't think that's necessarily... The, it a, doesn't yeah. sound that bad to me. You're a young person and you, you're right about sex. Uh, you're actually, you know what, I was 29, 30 when that happened yeah. and then um, I started comedy at 31. Because um, I knew I had to do something with this brain, I was like, if I'm gonna get to prison, if I don't, if I don't sort this out, if, if it wasn't the Nazi dog man, it would be me doing something awful, um, <laughs> putting put white, putting my cat in white face or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> there's something really pro-black, but um, <laughs> like that lime is dangerous. The Victorians. Um, because they all died or something because they used to put lime in their face. I know. I digress. Um, <laughs> Um, oh, a, yeah. Well, I've, I've even forgotten the tangent I was... Oh, yeah, could I... <laughs> the left... People on the left are always judged more harshly, aren't they? Yeah. Because mud doesn't stick to people on the right. Because they, they, walk, they walk around saying, I'm a prick. Oh, I am a prick. You know? Like, yeah. it's proven. But when you're on the left, there's, there's a tendency to be very pious. Um, and that means you get punished more for the mis mistakes that you make. And also, you know, we don't control the press, obviously. Um, so the stuff that could... Um, Affects your public perception gets amplified, yeah, yeah. Um, which is a shame. You're right. I, think, I could, and I, you know, I could do it, but uh. I think also like people on the left admit they did something and apologise, and then they're in trouble. Where people on the right, it seems, just keep on either deflecting or just saying it didn't happen, and then it eventually goes away. I think like even you know with Trump, it maybe it's not going to. But you people at home, it may be different for you in the future. But <laughs> he basically just keeps on deflecting it, and it goes away, and then he does. Then another thing happens, and it, you know, he can keep on deflecting it. It's quite, Trump is quite incredible. And I've, I, th I think a lot about why he is where he is. And s similar to Boris Johnson, I think a lot about why he is where he is. Because failing upwards is a wonderful, um, a wonderful phenomenon. It's fascinating to me. And I've decided that basically, and it's going to sound a bit deep, so don't, don't get frightened, front row. Right? <laughs> and don't congratulate yourself either, because what I'm saying is, is a bit odd. I think white supremacy won. They fought a social, cultural, and economic war against non-white peoples. And they won, and they create an environment that basically means 
a certain white person will just always be rewarded, right? So Donald Trump is a great example. He's really unqualified for his job. He's horrifically bad at it. Um, he has done nothing, I think, to justify his, like, not one thing. I can't think of one thing he's done or said or enacted, yet he is where he is. So at some point, we have to say, that's a very good structure, white supremacy <laughs> built, because it, it sucks up, like, it sucks up the worst of you and puts you up there. Yeah. Right, and it doesn't. That doesn't work for anybody else, anyone. And it's 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 structured. They're gonna impeach him for some random phone call he made to a guy in the Ukraine. Out of everything this man has done, <laughs> the o the only thing we can pin on him is some very esoteric thing. I can't even understand. I'm into politics. That's the only thing you can pin on this man. Yeah. The only shit that will stick. So that's the success, isn't it? That that's what's happened. We've created a system. Um, I mean, I'll talk about America because that's very prominent at the moment, but like, you know, they keep executing black people. They keep doing it. Yeah. Uh, just yesterday, a man, uh, it was a black man, he called the police because his neighbor, who's a black woman, his, her doors were open and she, he was worried about her. So he called the police to protect her and the police shot this woman through her window. She was playing video games, couldn't hear the police calling her. They, some police officer looked through the window, saw something happening, she was just playing video games, shot her, dead. Okay, and that police officer just handed his notice. Will he go to jail? Don't know. Will anything happen? Don't know. Well, something else happened. So this is, this, this is all structural. Do you know mm. what I mean? This is a structural success of white supremacy. And the only thing that's going to get rid of it or dismantle it is white people themselves going, yo, I don't want to be a judge anymore. I don't want to be part of this system. Or white police officers going, I don't want to be a police officer anymore. You know, and that's never going to happen because the structure is so great. It's very hard to understand when, when you're part of it. Does that make sense? It does. You know, yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I would say that if, like, a, a civilization, if the worst people rise to the top and, mm. the most in, you know, and, and are incompetent, then eventually that civilization will crumble and fall and then anything could happen. Then anything that's could. exactly... And that's so, kind of the way we're going, actually, yeah. because that's what will happen. It's hap in the UK, it's happening. Yeah. You know, eventually you know, our currency will be so devalued. Uh, young people don't aspire to own property anymore. They don't aspire to do it. They're like, they don't even aspire to have a career. They're just doing odd jobs. Or they're into, they're into side hustles now. Yeah. They want to Instagram themselves because they know their degrees. There's a limited pool of jobs for them to go for. So this is happening before our eyes. We, you know, the opportunities that I had um, are not there for young people anymore. I know when I left uni, you could go to a council and get a job picking up phones. You can't do that anymore because everything's done online now, right? Yeah. Um, so we're seeing that happening before our eyes. And if you look at other countries, like emerging economies, so, um, uh, you know, China, um, Asia, um, you know, Brazil, South America, African countries, we're starting to see a, a shift. Um, so until, like, the only thing that will save white people only thing that will save you is a rejection of this ludicrous idea of entitlement. Yeah. You know, just like when someone stands up and says, make America great again, say, it was never great. <laughs> That's what you've got to say. But no one, see how he, Donald Trump can fill up an arena of 20,000 people by saying, let's make us America great again. Yeah, crazy. is it, is it partly, crazy. I mean, is it partly sort of, I mean, I, I'm not 100% I'm, I'm not behind what I'm saying here. Is it partly <laughs> like uh, the sort of death throes of that old system that, that, Though that old garden, it's a lot of older people, I think, supporting Trump and Brexit. Um, there are younger people too. Oh, there are younger people yeah, as well, but it's too, like yeah. proportionally, it's a lot of older people. And is it just them attempting to hold on to the thing they imagined was great? I mean, it was the irony is it's not good for 
most of those white it's, people are it's going, young people walking into schools and shooting them up yeah you know like we do talk a lot about old people and um oh you know they don't know any better and it's not i don't i don't buy that at all i think there were if, if the, the the white the new kind of white supremacist movement so young people if you talk if you look at who's getting arrested look at tommy robinson his followers are young white men you can what you can see you can google it. look at the protests that they do the the pro Brexit protests and things like that mm -hmm. young white men so i think we shouldn't neglect the fact that people are buying into this and, and sadly young people are more likely to buy into to be groomed you know um so it's it's i don't i don't wholly by the generational argument that oh, eventually they will die and also like they'll live to 80 do you know what I mean like, yeah, yeah. it's a long but time it's not necessarily they'll die I just think it's, it's that I think like it feels like people are grabbing onto old ideas like in, in hmm. the UK both sides left and right are grabbing onto old ideas in the hope that going backwards will somehow help us yeah and I don't think it will because you know all those other markets you're talking about in Asia and uh, you know Brazil China everywhere uh, yeah. they're going to dominant but if we don't if we don't allow ourselves to be you know if we're looking backwards and if we're isolating ourselves we're, we're, gonna, you're be not, we're gonna be nothing here you're absolutely <laughs> right we're going back to protectionism which yeah, is something yeah. we rejected in the, in the 30s and we we knew that that was not economically viable that's why we conquered the world do you know what i mean like that we knew protectionism would, wouldn't bring wealth to, to the country um so it's ironic that people want to make britain great again by yeah. doing the exact opposite of what made it "Quote unquote great in the first place, which is a, a big irony. But if we really um, fuck it up, and and then I, you know, I'm, in the short term I'm pessimistic, in the long term I'm quite optimistic. <laughs> I think we'll fuck it up, and then it, everything will come out okay, so all right again. In many ways, we're agreeing. We're saying, that, but we have to it either it either dismantles itself because it doesn't work, or we preempt that and we say, oh, it's not going to work, and reject it. We, but we need. We need when people like Boris Johnson and and you know the Home Office say these awful things about migration and immigrants and um, you know the welfare state and you know working class people. We need to say this isn't right. And at the moment, there's not enough people saying this isn't right. There's people going, well, actually, it's not right. Or and there's this whole thing people are saying maybe, oh, it's not right. And then they're going to the polling booth and they're not they're not voting in the way that I would say protects people around them. I will say this though, we have a terrible opposition. Literally, like the conservatives and maybe the right wing um, interests are there for the taking. They're there for the taking. They're literally walking around with their pants around their ankles. And we're staring at them because we've got our pants around our ankles, <laughs> you know? And it's, it's a very bizarre time to... I mean, I don't know, you must be aware of the Labour deselection process. Yeah. At the, I mean, why is this even... Just put up with them for another five years, do you know what I mean? Like, is this, is this really a priority? And I'm sure you've noticed that the MPs being deselected or after deselection are mostly female and minority. Yeah. You guys noticed that? Yeah. So, you know, strange time to be into politics. Well, it is, but that's the, weak, the vacuum that's created in the middle by the weakness. But both parties are basically self-destructing. Mm. And it's just what's, what's going to come. It's, you know, it couldn't happen at a worse time. <laughs> it generally <laughs> couldn't have happened at no, worse it time. No. Uh, it's just all these things that have happened in the last 10 years. There are all loads of things that happened on basically 50-50. And if any of them had gone the other way, it would... It, Corbyn winning was the only one that was like a landslide, but even he got in just out of, sort of the politeness of... They'd say, oh, we always let these guys have a candidate. And, and, you know, so they right, was, isn't that funny? Yeah. But I, my show was basically, I did a whole chunk about Jeremy Corbyn. My theory about him is sort of like, great man, terrible leader. Um, yeah. Very bad at getting people on side. Because when you're a leader, you've got to make sacrifices. You can't have values that you go, these are my values, so I'm 
the integrity, my integrity will win because if people fundamentally don't agree with them, your integrity is just going to lose people, right? So you have to be more strategic. So I think, I think he lacks that strategic kind but of approach don't, to politics. But don't the Conservatives do as well? So there's no compromise. No one's prepared to compromise, so everything's been pushed outwards to the, to the Yeah, that's, a, that's over Brexit, but generally, Conservatives will vote for the leader that will win them, win them an election. Yeah. Brexit's kind of ruined that a little bit, but generally speaking, the Conservatives have never been that... They'll have, they don't mind who is the leader as long as they win an election, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, whereas on the left, we tend to be quite, oh, no, we like this guy. It's like, yeah, but is he going to win your election? No, but we like him. He makes jam. <laughs> but they think I like he will. jam. They, they think he will. And, and to be fair, at the last election, he did better than everyone thought he would. But he uh, certainly did yeah. a lot better than I thought he would. Oh, he did. And uh, to be fair, just to be clear, I don't think he's unelectable. No. I just think his behaviour up to this point, from there's, the last few months have been very iffy, to say the least, uh, which worries me. He doesn't really want to do it. Uh, so it's, that's the, it's sort of stuck yeah. in. I don't really want to it's do like it. It's like Kevin Hart on the Oscars, like when he quit. He didn't want to do it, though. He didn't want to host the Oscars. He was like, oh, I'm not going to apologise. Oh, well, looks like I won't do the gig. No one wants that gig. I'll tell you right now, if they gave it to me, I don't want it. You know, um, I can say that because they'll never give it to me because of my emails. I think, I think those emails aren't there, but I want to see those emails <laughs> desperately. Uh, so I'm very excited about the emails. Uh, let's talk about your podcast, yes, Keeping please. Athena Company. You've, this is because you're spending a lot of time with your one-year-old. Mm, so yeah. you've, you've got a podcast, which is not un dissimilar to what I'm doing, uh, to be able to have some adult conversations. It's, yeah, it started because, you know, 2019 to be a comedian, you've got to put out content. Um, you do. But also because I just wanted to... I love... I always think you've got to live your life in a state of forward motion. So I always wanted to do a podcast to just learn how to do it technically. Yeah. I thought just recording and editing and stuff like that. And I, I'm very privileged to just have met very interesting people who maybe, who maybe for whatever reason, don't necessarily get the chance to be amplified. Like, you do a podcast where you interview comedians, and that's great, um, but there's lots of comedians that do that. And I thought, I've got friends who are artists, mm. I've got friends who are writers, I've also got friends who are comedians who do other things. Yeah. So I thought, oh, let me think, and I made a list of all these people, like, who I, who I knew, who I thought were amazing. I thought, I've got to get these, these guys in my kitchen and fry them plantain. That's um, <laughs> why um, I do a fry them plantain. I'm going to enter the vegan awards next year and um, <laughs> see if I get nominated for the, a vegan podcast of the year. Um, <laughs> fingers crossed. I've got this great new thing. It's called a podcast. Because um, <laughs> I like awarding unoriginal things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I do it mostly for me. And lo like, like a lot of podcasts, it's free content. I don't charge for it. I, Put my, I invest my own money in it and I, I just do it because I enjoy it and I really enjoy it actually, it's a lot of fun. And you have your baby with you in the... Yes, because I don't mind, I have a childcare situation yeah. which is basically precarious. Uh, so it's a lot easier to have her with me and also it means I can be very technically bad with the recording because, <laughs> oh, the baby's crying so it doesn't matter if, you know, it doesn't matter if there's a door swinging or if, the, you know, you can hear a fly buzzing or whatever. Um, and that's also why I have the plantain going so people are chewing and there's yeah. forks. So it's a, it is a good podcast. I feel like <laughs> it's, bare, it's listenable. I think it's, I think it's listenable. It's not like, you know, I wouldn't... Like, if I do a GoFundMe, don't put money in it, like... <laughs> if I have a Patreon, I wouldn't worry about that. Uh, but, um, it, but definitely, it's listenable for free content. For free content, I think I do all right with it. Yeah. <laughs> You're really talking now. Feel... It's very good. I was listening to it today. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, it is it's sort of adult. It is adult, interesting conversations. And again, about yeah. about subjects that I guess you know, with the the great thing about the internet is you, you make your own content and you decide your agenda. And and it's about things that I probably wouldn't make it onto mainstream TV. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that's where I think podcasting is very exciting and always has had that potential to be, you can literally do anything that's as, 
as niche or as, you know, or, or stupid. I do a lot of very stupid podcasts that are a waste of people's time on purpose. <laughs> not this one. Uh, and, uh, you know, or, or there's something about that's something that's not being covered elsewhere. And so you have this amazing power that is open to everyone and there is this sort of democracy to it, which I think is Oh, fantastic. look, there's a... I always say it's an amazing privilege just to have your voice amplified and people staring at you and they listen to you. It's a real privilege. Yeah. And um, a podcast is an extension of that because then you record it and it's there for eternity or until um, the world implodes. Yeah. Um, I don't think podcasts will survive the nuclear war. Mine will. Mine are in the, mine is, uh, in in the, the British vault. Library. In the vault, so be All right, mine, mine aren't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mine are not. This one is, though. So, this, this, oh, brilliant. This will be okay. in, so you're, you're saved. So the, the, Someone's listening to this in 500 years' time going, this is what it was like oh, before. Brilliant. Good. She um, seemed angry about bananas. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't seem angry. I was angry. I was. Record it properly, Richard. Um, um, but yeah, I think, yeah, you, your voice is amplified. And you're right, I do get to have people on my podcast that maybe wouldn't go on to a Radio 4 conversation. That yeah. who doesn't, you know, I've not been invited onto Women's Hour. Not that I'm bitter. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's true. But, so it's a wonderful... The, social media is great because it removes the gatekeepers. Yeah. Um, and then if your stuff is good, um, you, it won't slip through the net. This is what I've discovered about comedy. If you're really good, you don't slip through the net. Yeah. I've decided that. I don't... I think... But again, <laughs> comedy is quite... You know, I think the problem with comedy is, uh, is in, for now, in the 21st century, is just too many people are trying to do it. Yes. So, but if you're... The thing with comedy is you can't get away with... You know, you, nothing... There's nothing you can do other than be funny in front of a crowd. You can have a night where you're not funny and you can have a, a few nights where you're not funny. But if no one's ever finding you funny, you can't be a comedian. Yeah, absolutely. So, right, yeah. so it's, it's, that's, again, a very democratic thing. So partly, it, you know, there, there's certainly different ways it operates and audiences are, are prejudiced in different ways and you'll get, you'll get you know, different audiences of different things. But if you're funny, you'll, you'll be able to be a comedian. So absolutely, that's, yeah. And maybe the level of comedian... You, you, you may not make it to live at the Apollo. You may, you, there were different levels, and you might be able to work, but you might not. You know, you might not be able to get. You know, Chris Rock had a name with a plane with his name on it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I don't know if I'm going to get a plane with my name. I'm on not it. even sure I'm going to get. Yeah, unless, unless I'm <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I've been waiting for. You know, I've been doing it 30 years. I've been waiting for the plane, but you know, change your name to EasyJet, so and it'll be fine. Um, okay. <laughs> EasyJet here. But you, but you know, there's a, there were levels, and but I do think generally we, you know, that uh, on a week in, week out on a daily basis, you can go out and entertain people and make them laugh and get paid for it if you're good. Um, you won't yeah. slip through the net. Um, so even though there are a lot of comedians, um, if you're good, you get to be good. I honestly believe that. I've not seen anyone not get booked because for some silly, frivolous reason. Um, so that's why podcasts are great. That's why comedy is great. And like I said, I feel very lucky to be able to do it. And I feel very lucky to also do my other job yeah. <laughs> so I can live and eat <laughs> and do all those things that are really cool as well. Yeah. Um, and what's the, are you going to go back to Edinburgh 2020? Is that the plan? Or That's the it? plan, yeah. So I went up, uh, when I did Follow the Leader, I was pregnant. So that, that yeah. was basically, the show was fundamentally about, ah, that's how it works. I did not know. Um, and, um, but I'm still smart. Um, and, <laughs> 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 um, and 2020, now that the child's here, um, I don't know. I have an idea about a show. When I told people I was pregnant, I would tell them I was in the family way. Right. And it would just make them laugh loads. Just a lovely term, <laughs> yeah. the family way. So um, I, that was triggered lots of ideas for me for next year's show. Okay. Um, the funny thing about my life at the moment is I've experienced about six different kinds of family in the space of like um, 
a year, like when I was pregnant, I was a single parent. And then um, I moved in with my mum. So I dealt with that, I had a communal kind of experience. Um, then uh, I reconciled with my child's father. So then we were co-parenting and now we're back together. So now we're like a nuclear family. Okay. And I love that, the, the different emotions and the contrast between those things. And I think we, we think a lot, we, we dwell too much on the environment children are brought up in in terms of the immediate environment, but actually we should dwell more on the social environment. Because if your social environment is right, you can have one parent, two parents, single sex parents, a grandparent. But if the social environment is right, the family, that child will be catered for. Yeah. And I find that idea interesting, if not very funny. <laughs> um, but I'm, yeah, that's, those are the ideas I'm having at the moment. Well, yeah, but that's the stage you're at. The, yeah. the, most people react at the stages if you've got the, uh, the idea and then the, the rest hopefully comes along. <laughs> but that's, no, those are very interesting things to play around with. So that'd be, I would look forward to that. Difficult going to Edinburgh with a kid, though. It's, it's even Is worse, it? it's worse yeah. going with two. Oh. I had a fucking horrible time this year. Fucking oh. hell. <laughs> the one hour on stage was my only escape. <laughs> I tried um, to persuade my wife. I'm, like, I'm doing a 14-hour podcast now, but she <laughs> didn't believe me. <laughs> it was wonderful. It was a wonderful like, thing. That's what a, I want to hear. Yeah, it was it's wonderful. wonderful. And uh, just to see that... You can start taking them to shows. Yeah. Well, that's she'll okay. Be, she'll be one and a half. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'll put her in the show. Yeah. Stick her in a little cot. <laughs> she's got I'm thinking about bringing my kids onto this. Yeah. Yeah. If, I, if my boy was running around the stage now... Oh, it, it would be the worst fucking thing. He's a nightmare. Really? Yeah, a oh, no, but I, I just... Prick. Something's... <laughs> I, I missed that. Yeah. <laughs> he's a terrible prick. He's a uh, terrible... He's, uh, he gets very hard time. He's the sweetest little thing you've ever seen. He's, uh, but he's, he wakes up in the morning. He's, there's, a, there's an old door that's been boarded up. We've got quite an old house, and the, there used to be doors between the rooms. And then uh, the, his, his sister told him it was a prison through the door. <laughs> and every time he wakes up, he goes... Oh no! Oh, no points. No. Oh, <laughs> oh my no. god! Your kids are adorable. So one hates you and lies to your son yeah. about them. Yeah. He loves me. Oh, he loves, he loves you. me okay. at the moment. Even though, she... but I'm going to tell him you called him a prick. We'll he is a prick. He's um... a really annoying oh. little prick. <laughs> I was telling him about Father Christmas today, so he's excited about how about... real he is. Yeah, yeah I was okay. telling him all about Father Christmas. He was looking at this. We got three pictures of uh, Phoebe with Father Christmas over. You know, so when she was two, three, and four, uh, four yeah, more or less. Uh, and the first time she's really scared, and the second time she's really crying, <laughs> and, the time, and the third time she's kind of happy to be with Father Christmas. So that's why he, th he thinks Father Christmas is scary. Right until he's so older. I'm, and then... I'm, I'm, I'm confirming that. <laughs> Do you we, dress... we took a call from Father Christmas the other day. Do you dress up as Father Christmas? I don't know. That's, that's Isn't that too... a wasted opportunity, guys? <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> Wait, save, save that trip to the to the shopping centre. Well, Just get a tracksuit. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> that's kind of not a compliment um, uh, no. what you don't like Father Christmas no that's what I was aiming for. that's what I was going for that really hot guy that's, that's that really, he's pretty people, sexy yeah he goes around to people's houses and delivers stockings yeah. got a lot of presents um, though Father Christmas that's the thing and that girls like that right they like a mm. load of toys this book is already look at how used to this Stranger Things book it's already falling apart I was really excited because it had a little thing you could put your pen in and that came off in the last podcast really ruined my last podcast. It's falling apart. You, know, you buy cheap, you buy twice. You want to get more skin, mate. But it was expensive. Was it expensive? How much yeah. was it? Like 12 pounds or something. 12 pounds yeah. for a notepad. Stranger Things. Go Poundland. Stranger Things looks like a video. It's amazing. Um, so, 
we're going to have to wrap it up because uh, that time has come. But that was oh, fa- no. fantastic uh, to good. meet you. But I had so much more to say about white supremacy, guys. You can no say- <laughs> I had so much more. <laughs> <laughs> we'll look forward to seeing you and seeing what happens next. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, Vina Cableno. Thank you. Thank you. Listening to Rahalastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest Athena Kubleno. Thank you very much to Pest for playing the music on this podcast. Thank you very much to everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre and everyone at Go Faster Stripe and everyone at ACAST and everyone who knows me, especially my mum and dad. I'm indebted to my producer, Ben Walker. I'm even more indebted to my executive producer, Neil Redmond. He's a good guy. Not a bad guy at all. Uh, the stories you've heard about him just are not true. Let me tell you that he's a good fella. Uh, this is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com production. Why not head to GoFasterStripe.com to get downloads of many of my stand-up shows, my books, also the uh, DVDs and downloads from all kinds of crazy-ass brilliant comedians. It's well worth supporting with your time and money. Thanks for listening. Now, fuck you, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs>